Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Motherload Podcast. The Motherload is the UK's largest parenting community for women on social media, and this is our brand new podcast for our molos and parents everywhere. I am Kate Dyson. And I'm Alison McGarrah Murphy. Hello. Each week we release a brand new episode where we discuss a particular parenting issue, dilemma, or topic, and we want you to be involved by voice note, comment, or email. You can share your funny stories and opinions by WhatsApp voice note on 07874341460 or email us at podcast at the hyphen motherload.co.uk. And don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us wherever you find your podcasts. This is the one where we bring that baby home. So... Alison, well, last, in the last episode, we talked about giving birth and all of the absolute glamour of that. Um, the mooing. Over that. The mooing, the pooing. The pooing. Anything that like basically rhymes with pooing and mooing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but now we have that long-awaited little bundle in our arms and we realise that we do not have a clue what to do next. I've got to put it out there now. I I was I was clueless about about labour and and pregnancy generally, but I did <laughs> not think beyond the actual birth bit. <laughs> I thought, oh yeah, I'll probably breastfeed, um, but I won't mind if I can't, and I'll probably bottle feed. And that's literally all the thought I'd given to actually having a baby in the real world, like a real. I baby. was. So clueless, absolutely <laughs> hopeless. I had no idea like how every minute of every day and night would be invaded either by just thinking about this baby, actually caring for it, and just the the huge amount of stuff that, that you've got to do. I was absolutely hopeless. <laughs> what about I must you? Admit, well, I must admit, I did have some idea, but um, still, I don't think it actually, like, sinks in until you have your own baby so my sister had two kids before me um yeah. so 
I think I'd mentioned in the previous episode that I was there for the birth of her second. And so I kind of had an idea. Obviously, I'd seen her in the early days uh, getting to grips with having a baby. I'd looked after my nieces. I'd taken them out for walks. You know, I'd read a Grazia magazine while they slept and I grabbed a coffee. And, you know, all of those really important moments of being that an That gave aunt. you a really realistic A really good taste. And also... Yeah. Um, I do remember saying to my mom when I was pregnant, I, you know, I think I'll be okay with the get-ups because, like, I've got a cat that needs to go out sometimes in, in the <laughs> middle of the night. So I think, you know, I think I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. I think I've got a good idea of what to expect. Oh, oh my god! My god! <laughs> no! Yeah. Oh, oh no! <laughs> I think you're you're right though. You can't out. you can't really prepare for it, can you? It's like you've got to be living it. Even if someone told you this is what it's like minute by minute, you wouldn't believe it and you don't really no. understand it until you are in it with the sleep yeah. deprivation, the leaky boobs, the C-section injury, the the the, hor- the sort of leftover horror show from from birth and then shock. Yeah, you've got to care for this tiny person right from the off and be ready to go even when you feel like an absolute sack of shit I'll be honest it's not even just like the physical effects for me of like you know just just that post um labor kind of shocker where you're in pain and you're you everything you've just said for me it's the dawning realization that shit shit just got real and I now have to look after this for the rest of my life because I don't know about you but like I'd had pets they die like they I mean not that I kill pets what I mean is like they eventually die like within oh god it's not like my lifetime that I'm looking after them like I you know so there's a circle of life or or a cycle of life whatever you want to say but like that where you know, it has a beginning, a middle and an end. And when you have a kid, basically they're going to outlive you. So it's not even like, like it's the entire of your life now that you've got this, this extra thing <laughs> going on. And I don't know about you, Alison, but I can't even keep like a plant alive. I struggle with plants. A few yeah. Months. yeah. So, so actually I, having a human. Yeah. It's like another level. And scary. also... I really, really feel quite passionate about the fact that like, I can't drive. Uh, so I, to learn to drive, I have to like go and do about 40 hours of driving lessons. Then I have to take a theory test. Then I have to take a full f- practical test. And yet someone is letting me leave hospital for the first time in my entire life with a human baby and just going, okay, well, best of luck. <laughs> Bye-bye. What? What? <laughs> do, what? Do you understand like, it, what I'm do you know doing what? here? 40 hours of lessons would definitely, definitely have helped me. I could have done with those lessons. I think we had about an hour and uh, and, and that was about it. But I yeah, feel like you should just, have to like do like basically a citizenship test like on babies yeah. at first but also that should contain stuff like for the teenage years because I mean I don't know about you I've got an eight-year-old as my eldest and Alison I am already dreading the teenage years they don't sound great <laughs> I know it's like a it's like a soft start, isn't it? At, yeah, at this it age is. where there, there's there's all the strops and and everything else. But the, the eldest is always that frontier. So the first baby, and then they become the first everything as as they grow up. But it's like it's that one that you remember the most. I think that's seared on your brain that absolute fear of bringing that baby home and being responsible for it for the rest of your life. 
Yeah, for sure. And do you remember like when you first got the baby dressed or first put I, them in the bath? Or I, di- first, I didn't like, do any of that. I was, I was too just terrified. terrified. Yeah, I, I was, do I was it. absolutely terrified. I thought, I thought, oh, I'll just forget and, and break his arm thinking it's a doll and like bend the arm backwards and shove it in. And then I'll be like, ah, it's my baby. And so I, I made Brian do all of that stuff. He did all the nappies. He dressed the baby because I was just terrified. He did the holding in the bath as well. And it, it's insane when I look back, but I, he looked so delicate. And, you know, he wasn't tiny. He was an eight pounder. He was quite, quite big and meaty, but they mm. look so tiny and so fragile. Yeah, and I, yeah. I was absolutely terrified of getting something wrong. Yeah. And it's actually quite remarkable how bendy they are. Like, God, I'm not doing well in this podcast. Like, I'm talking about killing my pets. I'm talking about <laughs> she how kills pets my and she bends oh. babies. And how bouncy. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> But like it, but it's true, isn't it? That you know, you do like the first time. Like I dress Bess, I was like, I just like I, I am gonna break her. Like she's like a china doll, the most yeah. precious china doll I've ever, ever had. And the first time I bathed her, and obviously she was so tiny at that point, I could hold her on one hand. But like yeah. just feeling like she was the slipperiest fish I'd ever you know, had responsibility for her and, and like I was going to drown her. Like, and actually, can we talk about those weird thoughts that fill your head? Like, you know, you are carrying your newborn baby through the house and suddenly you become hyper aware of all the knives, like oh, that possibly the live, or like the stairs might suddenly turn into a slide and, you know, or you're just going to like, for some reason, just lob your baby out the window because you've opened the window and like it just like your mind starts going bonkers, doesn't it? With all yeah, of the completely. like this massive responsibility of life it is, and it's that, it's that clash of feeling really vulnerable yourself because you've been through this immense change you know with pregnancy labor motherhood and all the physical and hormonal changes as well but then also just this huge weight of responsibility were, were you like us where it's kind of sweet when I look back at it but everything for us was a two a two man job so changing a <laughs> yeah. nappy both of us there at the changing table yeah, yeah. doing the changing me like singing and entertaining and trying yeah, to yeah. make the baby stop wailing <laughs> putting in the car seat you know it's like one person does the feet in the baby snuggler one person does the hands and you know <laughs> clicking them all in and just everything putting the pram up everything takes two of you and you're like oh my god this is exhausting how, how are we gonna you know physically do all of this stuff and then you look back and think what the hell were we doing? What were we doing? I know, I know. And also, why does it take you three hours to leave the house with the firstborn? I don't, you know, I've got three now. Like, and now I just shove them in the car. Like, just get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. One shoe, don't care. Pajamas, don't care. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What do you mean you haven't brushed your hair? Get in the car. (laughs) I don't. Whereas before, like, there was an outfit for going out that I had to then, like, make the pram, like, a a little nest for her to keep her safe and snug. And I was terrified she'd get too cold, but then I was also terrified she'd get too hot. And I'd take her out and I'd like, I liked the pram being open so everyone could see my beautiful baby but then at the same time I didn't want anyone to touch her because like don't touch the baby yeah yeah don't don't like I mean look but don't come too close because if you've got a cold is that a cold sore don't come anywhere near my baby 
But uh, yeah, why does it take so long to get out? Well, like in those mines, first... yeah, there's all the prep, you know, getting the pram ready, getting the baby dressed without breaking it and all that kind of thing. And then my uh, babies were both enormous fans of the doorstep punami. Oh, um, no. I nearly said punami there, which is a very different thing <laughs> altogether. Um, but the, uh, the doorstep punami, where basically everything's ready, you're kind of a bit jittery because you're just yeah. going to make it out the door, you're going to go to the clinic yeah. or whatever to get the baby away. Oh God, if I run, I can make it. Da, da, da. And then they, the world literally comes out of their ass while you're on the doorstep. So you then have to undo all the stuff that you've done, you know, undress the baby, da, take them out the pram, go clean them up, complete new outfit. Then you've got Punami all over you. You know, it's just a, 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 a catastrophe. And I think we both breastfed, you breastfed for both kids, didn't you? For, well, when did you stop breastfeeding Maisie? Oh, I, she was like three or something. I just, I, I was trapped. You I couldn't are a get super, out. super but, breastfeeder. Um, I, like, yeah, did I, both. I did, yeah, I've breastfed all three as well, but I have combi-fed. Uh, I combi-fed best because I was in a right state after my uh, first labour. Um, and so she had bottle and breast. But I do remember just thinking, like, what the actual fuck is this breastfeeding thing? Like, when I went to the antenatal class at the um, hospital, they shoved a, a water bottle next to the midwife's boob. And the water bottle seemed to, f- like, drink really fast, like, and seemed to know exactly what that water bottle needed and wanted. <laughs> and that did not happen no. in real life. My water bottle that I took home, like, was a screaming, writhing mess, angry, red little mess every single time she wanted to feed. And when she clamped out on my tip, oh my God, I still wince thinking about that pain. Like it probably wasn't latch issue. I don't even know. I had it checked at one point and they were like, no, it's fine. She's just got a very, very strong suck. You are not kidding me. My poor little nip was like screaming in pain. I used to have to bite on a flannel to get through it. Like the, and the, I have a really painful letdown. And I was like, what the hell? No one tells you about this. No one warned me it was going to be this bad. It's so hard, isn't it? Like I thought, um, so beforehand, I thought I'll be really laid back about breastfeeding. I'd really, really like to do it. Um, But if it doesn't work, it's fine. I'll just use bottles. That's completely cool. I'm totally with it. And then something biological happened in me and I became absolutely hell bent on breastfeeding. I had to feed the child the baby this way and and that was the only way it was going and I can't really describe it everyone says oh there's society puts pressure on mothers but this all came from me and I had to do it it was so it was so hard to do but I was so like hell-bent on on making it making it happen and and we did get there in the end but it's really not as easy as as you, you I think really it's do believe be, and I, I know some people will disagree with this but I really do believe that breastfeeding is like a journey between the two of you like the baby has to learn they've never breastfed before no, suddenly exactly. they've got but a massive think... tit in their face like yeah you know for some that might be a pleasurable experience for others it's like <laughs> what the hell is going on here what is going on and uh, and for us, we've never done it before. And, you know, you're aiming your boob and the nipple guiding and all of this stuff that we're taught, like, for a correct latch. And then someone comes and, like, tells you that you're doing it wrong. And I don't know about you, but the midwife at one point grabbed my boob and, like, started thrusting it into her mouth and trying to position the nipple in the right way. And 
my boobs did not want to work like that at all. They Poor were just boobs. like, yeah, they were just angry. What, what did they do? <laughs> everything felt pretty angry at that point, to be honest. Everything felt sore, angry, and and um, really swollen, <laughs> engorged. Bless. Yeah. But it does. It's just that feeling of just like, I'm not cut out for this. I am so bloody clueless. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, you think it's good. It's the nat- most natural thing ever to breastfeed a baby, but they're as clueless yeah, as we course, are. But they've yeah, clueless. Exactly. Like you say, they've never done it. And, and so, of course, it's going to be hard. But yeah, the expectation is completely different, isn't it? And definitely, we- once you get over that, it's amazing, isn't it? And it really, like, is everything that, you know, people who feel very passionately about breastfeeding do talk about. Um, but, you know, as far as I'm concerned, whatever whatever works works exactly like exactly you can't beat yourself up for 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 not being able to do it and I think that's something there is that huge weight of um you know the huge pressure you put on yourself as Mm a as a new mum taking this this new baby home uh to do everything and to do everything the right way and I say that in inverted commas and actually there is no right or wrong you've just got to do whatever work works for you haven't you we've always joked haven't we that if we wrote a a book for the mother load it, like it would just be one page trust your intuition <laughs> like that's it <laughs> the end <laughs> if, when you can find it because that's another problem isn't it of course like, if any where, publishers are listening like we are open to other <laughs> ideas <laughs> we, we've had some some amazing amazing comments from the mother load facebook group on people who just had those absolute clueless what the <laughs> moments when they brought their baby <laughs> what home what the what <laughs> what the <laughs> self-censoring there's no children in the room it's okay um so mel says when we first took lily home we walked out of the hospital proudly carrying her in the car seat and up to our pride and joy not the baby the convertible audi a4 with no rear doors we stood looking at it for a while took the roof down put the car seat in put the roof back up and had a little weep that now we needed a suitable car ended up with a nice safe saab estate they went from the Audi convertible to a Saab. Oh God, that's I know. A, that is I'm a sorry entrance level to parenthood, isn't it? Right, it really <laughs> oh, is. No. You've got the just, got the parent wagon there. I love the like image of Mel and her husband like going through that moment where they're like, uh, "Can't get it in, can't get it in." <laughs> right, take the roof down, roof down. Like, what the hell? If you've been watching that, you'd be like, first time parents." Right, I know, there. I know. I mean, it's you a might slippery have slope it into first, the Volvo but... estate, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it is. It is. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. He just says, how many holes does a straw have? Zero, one, or two. The internet can't figure it out, so I've done what any sane person would do. Ask the Luke and the Pete. Join me, Pete Donaldson, and Luke Moore for an unplanned half hour every Monday and Thursday as we talk about, well, anything really, from your emails to life's great mysteries to this guy. The noise you're going to hear sounds like a man being interrupted by a car. He isn't being interrupted by the car. He is making yes. the car sound. <laughs> How on earth is he doing that? How does he make that noise? Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Beep, 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 beep. The Luke and Pete Show is a Stakhanov production. Abby said that she put her baby bath in front of the oven and she left the oven on and open because she was so worried that the baby might get cold. She <laughs> never realised how ridiculous that was until just now. <laughs> it's a baby, not a turkey. No, but do you know what? At the same time, um, I do remember being in hospital after having best and I, I don't know about you but I I don't know whether this is a c-section thing or it's just a hormonal reaction or something but I get a massive sweat on like after I've given birth like a proper nope. awful sweat <laughs> oh good <laughs> just me just me again just you. <laughs> and, every mother's uh, every, every mother's experience is, is unique Kate yes you're yeah, entitled oh, yeah. to your journey oh, Oh, thank you. Yeah, my journey, well, my journey is unique, yes. And uh, so I'd opened the seat because honestly, I felt like I was suffocating there. So I opened the window next to the seat next to me, and this midwife comes running out of nowhere going, We do not open windows on this ward. We have babies here who need to be kept warm. So actually, I can understand why Abby was like getting paranoid about, you know, what, like, ah, I've got to do this. I've got to make sure that, um, you know, the baby is warm at all times and I put them in the bath and oh my god the bath is going to be cold what if they get cold afterwards I can understand as a first-time mom that kind of bonkers 
thing because no one says to you once you get home it's fine we're not so we're not so paranoid about the whole like super hot sauna room that we like to keep you in on the ward (laughs) it's so hot isn't it it's really bloody warm in hospital it is anyway, but I swear to God, they put like little bonfires under those beds in the postnatal <laughs> ward just to keep us all roasting. But yeah. you probably uh, don't. But I need am just... the sweating pig, like in the oh, just dripping with sweat is awful, absolutely hideous. But just to say, as a slight disclaimer, you probably don't need to have the oven on with the door open um, to bath your baby no. for the first no, time. No, and this so might actually be one of those. Don't try this needed. at home. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Tara said, I sat on the bed about two weeks in crying and telling my fella I couldn't do it. And I didn't know what I was doing. How can I I look after him? I have no idea why. He was fine. He was a very chilled out baby. And I took to motherhood very naturally. It must have just sunk in at that moment that I had a baby and I completely panicked. I do remember that overwhelming feeling, don't you? Of Just like... Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. What if I get it wrong? I'm going to get it wrong. I'm going to get it wrong. It's like, it's an awful, like, I think it's just when, like, it hits you properly that, yeah, oh, this is sledgehammer it. style. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's uh, your hormones got... as well. Yeah, it is your hormones because it's that blues as well, isn't it? That kicks in around yeah. the same time. And, and I think everything just suddenly feels super overwhelming and emotional. And just like you just sit there just thinking, what the fuck? What the fuck have I done? Uh, Jess says, I usually spend a few days sobbing randomly because I am so in love with what I've created. Nobody knows whether I'm sniveling for a good reason or not. Jess, I completely am with you because when I had tears, I I I'll talk about like bonding with Bess in a minute, but and Maggie like it happens relatively quickly, but Ted, I had like this unbelievable wave of love with him that I had just not had before. And um and I did spend probably about six months just crying over him randomly. To be honest, I still do. Like he's just learned to walk, which I know is a milestone. Aww. But but he he learnt, he's just got up on his feet and he actually took two steps and came towards me, blew a kiss and then planted the kiss, you know, that had landed on his hand on my lips and I was like, oh. like oh no, honestly I was an absolute like <laughs> just looking at me like why are you crying it's like a nice thing and I'm like oh. he cannot so really do cute. anything without me sobbing about it yeah yeah oh yeah so i Sarah says, uh, apparently for the first two days after having my first, I just lay in bed asking everyone, but what if I don't love him? I can't send him back. <laughs> Can you imagine if the stork did come and get them for you? For, I know. Days? We've also got a voice note from Jolene. So I had a C-section and my other half was determined that he would do all of the care while he was on paternity leave to help aid my recovery. So on our little girl's first night feed, um, he had his mum there helping him, they were staying with us, God help us. Um, And on that first night feed, uh, he wanted to call an ambulance because she wouldn't stop crying and he didn't know what to do because he'd already gone through all the tasks. And as it turned out, um, she had wind and wouldn't take a bottle. And as soon as he'd winded her properly, she just downed her bottle and went back to sleep. But yeah, bless him, he had wanted to call an ambulance. And my mother-in-law had to stand there and say, this is what babies do, my love, they will cry. Oh, 
they just feel so precious. Oh my goodness oh. me. You want to call an ambulance for um wind. For, for wind. Oh. That's that's but, probably but, not gonna go down well with the call handlers. But I know what it feels like an emergency at the time, doesn't it? You're so stressed, you're like, I've changed the baby, they've had a feed, I've burped them, I'm cuddling them, but they won't stop crying. What 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 can I possibly do? And it does kind of drive you around the twist because they can't communicate in any other way. No, so I can no. I can understand that, but I like to think that even if if um, Jolene's mother-in-law wasn't there, that I might have stopped myself from dialing 999. Do you know, I do get that panic thing. Like, I, I had uh, quite a lot, actually. But when, if Teddy's, because he doesn't really cry, to be honest. So if he does have a like, absolute meltdown, like, I, I get really kind of like, oh, my God, something is really wrong. Something has to be really, really wrong. He never really cries like this. And... But I, I mean, not to the point of phoning an ambulance with greatest respect. To <laughs> uh, but I've got this obsession with um, hair tourniquet, a hair tourniquet. If you oh, yeah. Like, we've had it so many times on the motherload, haven't we? Where, yeah. um, like a hair, um, like ties around one of their little fingers or toes and it's so painful for them. They have no way of indicating what it is. So you will usually find me, if Teddy's having like a meltdown, like I start stripping him and like checking for all that hair tourniquets everywhere. Oh, like, no. Absolutely everywhere. I've even like checked his old, you know, willop just to check there's nothing like hanging around there. Looks you don't want a hair tourniquet there, do you? No, no, you can understand Bless why he's screaming you. his head off. And we've also got a voice note from Hayley. Hiya, it's Hayley here from the Facebook uh, thread that you've asked me to send through. Hello, Hayley. Um, so this was our memory of our daughter, oh God, over five years ago now, um, probably in the first week or so of us having her home. And it was the first real sleep-deprived delirium that we'd experienced I think and we'd all gone off to bed put her down in the Moses basket and uh and then as as clockwork we kind of just woke up baby's awake needs a bottle I'll express no problem got on with it started expressing thinking that why is it so quiet why, what she's not what's wrong <laughs> and we looked over at the Moses basket and she's still there sleeping away snoring even as well oh. <laughs> i just couldn't believe it just what we we both couldn't figure out who it was that had woken each other up we just got into the routine of doing it and then it was just this sudden hissing of turn the lamp off what you think absolutely ridiculous even to this day i can't it the, the memory just baffles me as to how <laughs> silly it really was that, that is, um, it is that, so confusing though it's like you're completely yes, yeah. spun off the bloody planet with sleep deprivation yeah. and then the baby cries and it's like drill you know everyone jumps yeah, out of bed yeah, you're ready right. for action can completely imagine how that, it's like how in that, that sas program isn't it where they go in and they're like get up get up get up get yeah up. exactly and like, oh god what's my name what's my name where's my bag <laughs> i don't want to do it. i don't want to do it. you do go into this like really weird like survival ah! yeah <laughs> I imagine that that being a new parent is very, very much like to joining the armed forces and just yeah being drilled but it by is. a tiny human instead, tiny sergeant <laughs> yeah. major. Yes, it is. It is. So let's talk though about uh, the rush of love. You know, I was just talking about that a second ago yeah. um, about you know the difference between my three 
And I definitely, I don't know about you, but I definitely, there was a difference for me with all three of them. Um, With Bessie, when she was born, I just, I had a really horrible 60-hour labour. I've obviously referred to this in other podcasts, but um, 60-hour labour with her that I never really established. And it ended up in a really, like, uh, last-minute emergency C-section that, you know, it was a whole room filled and then I had blood transfusions because I bled a lot on the table. And, oh, it was just – and I had, like, a bowel obstruction. It was just an absolute literal shit fest. And and it did mean that afterwards I was in a right state, to be honest. I was emotionally in a state. I was physically in a state. And I didn't bond with Bess um, until she was about – just coming up to a year old. And I do remember thinking, you know, I'd read about this rush of love. I expected this rush of love. And I thought, like, there's something really wrong with me that I haven't had that. And I think we don't talk about that enough. Like, that actually, it's a little bit of a Disney thing. Yes, it does exist because, you know, I definitely had it with Teddy. It was overwhelming, overpowering, the this rush of love I had uh, for him. But not everyone will get it and the circumstances of your birth the circumstances of you taking them home that can all you know all sorts of things your home hormonal reaction perhaps can all you know affect the bonds that um you know first comes with that baby and I do I do remember like thinking you know if anyone finds out about this they're probably going to think I am the worst mom ever so weirdly I read on mum's net um someone say it wasn't it was it was about an older child that um this mom was struggling uh with parenting an older child um and saying I feel quite detached from them because their behavior is so challenging at the moment which we see all the time on the mother load don't we that that is a really real thing as well but I remember the some of the replies saying fake it till you make it and like I just mm. thought, do you know what? I'm going to fake it. I'm gonna, I'll fake it till I make it. You know, I, I kind of had this like trust, I guess, that it would come eventually, but it definitely didn't come for quite a long time. And I remember towards the end of that year, taking her to a cafe and oh God, I might cry now because it still overwhelms me, but um, sitting in the cafe with her and, uh, God, Alison, sorry. But sitting in the cafe with her and she was next to me in the pram and she opened her little eyes. She was asleep. She opened her little eyes and looked at me and just gave me this radiant smile. And it was such a moment of, I knew she recognised me as her mum. And this wave of love just poured over me in that moment and just hit me like a ton of bricks. It was was just phenomenal. Like, I'm in this busy cafe and I wanted to say, oh, my God, I love my baby. (laughs) I get it. I get it now. I love my baby. And uh, and obviously I couldn't. You know, Matt did come. I was actually waiting for Matt at the time. So he came and found me in tears holding her and just going, I love her. I love her. And, you know, and I think he was finally relieved because he'd started to get a bit worried about something else going on here. But it's a real thing and it can take genuinely some time for that bond to come. That's it. And I think like you, you know, you, you, you expect there to be this rush of love and this instant connection. You hear so much about it. And I think I, I definitely felt kind of, um, 
a huge wave of relief when I heard my baby born. I had a cesarean as well. And so I was yeah. sort of, you know, obviously back on the on the trolley and and not a not an easy sort of time before that point either. And and I remember just feeling this huge relief and, and crying because I knew he was okay. I was so worried that something would go wrong. Um and feeling, yeah, this huge relief. But I don't I didn't feel an instant rush of love when I saw him. There was a delay between us being able to cuddle for starters, because obviously I was, you know, being stitched back up and having all my insides put back in. And so it does take time. And then I I felt like a a bus had hit me, to be honest. For days afterwards, I felt so rough. Yeah. Actually, it's just like, I really, I really want to have a really massive sleep, please. And then I can crack on with the baby, but you can't. You're you're a mum straight away. Yeah. And, and I think I remember feeling a rush of love and it might might not have been the very first time but I remember this one really clearly I'd sort of fed him which was not difficult because he it was difficult because he did have reflux as well and so feeding was always quite problematic but I fed him and he was asleep and he was in you know those little sleeping bags that they wear and they're like little squishy glowworms and I was just hugging him and just had his cheek on mine and I closed my eyes and just my heart just filled up and I could see stars in my eyes and it's like it's a complete cheesy cliche to say you know, oh, you've got stars in your eyes or whatever. But um, <laughs> but it was it was really oh, like awesome. that. You know, it was just this sort of really joyful moment. But again, it yeah. didn't come the moment he was born. It didn't come the moment I held him. I loved him and I wanted to protect him. But I didn't have that sort of overwhelming feeling. And I think mums should not put so much pressure on themselves to think I have to feel this way because actually you might feel a completely different way. And that is totally fine as well. And I thought I would ask the Motherload Facebook group about this because, um, you know, I think it is something like your story with with Bess as well that we do need to talk about and just try and help mums a bit, you know, who, who are going into it with those same pressures on, on themselves. And yeah, I just asked sure. the simple question, did you get the rush of love? Did it happen straight away? Did it come later? It was slower, slower to grow. And we had over two and a half thousand responses um, on this. And around 60% said, yes, I did feel that rush of love love when my baby was born. But around 40% said it took time for their love to grow. And I think, you know, like you say, if you've got a difficult labor or a traumatic birth, Mm -hmm. you're just feeling worn out and invaded and just a bit all over the place. It's going to have a massive effect. And actually, it's okay if it takes time, you know, for you to to feel that love. It might not happen straight away. And there's nothing wrong with you if, if it takes time. No, no, absolutely not. And also, I think, you know, when your first baby, you've never had this uh, experience before in your life. And and mm. actually, if, if you do have a bit of a rough time, I really echo what you just said. I felt really like I just wanted to crawl into a corner and lick my wounds like a cat, you know, would look after themselves. And, you know, I just I felt so overwhelmed by my the the pain in my body to then be caring for a baby it's really no yeah. wonder that the the bond was paused you know as it was for some time um i would say it's a that, big ask isn't it 
yeah it really it is it really is and I would say that a massive difference with Teddy so you know as I I have had three sections as a result of that first birth um but the elective with Teddy obviously one thing that I was very concerned about was the bond was the um just the aftermath and I'd had quite a lot of therapy between having Maggie and Ted um for postnatal depression and the PTSD that came out of that birth so what I really didn't want to do is was put myself back into a position where maybe that could happen again or it would be triggered again and interestingly um I think that not only was I more prepared and I was more prepared as a you know to be a mom again I guess but um I spoke to my consultant when we were planning the elective and I said I really want this to be as gentle as possible and so you know there were things that they did like they lowered the drapes as which I know isn't for everyone but for me it was really important to see him emerge and to for me to not feel that disconnect of like Here's your baby. Like, could have come you out. You can't of the feel anything the from trolley. the chest down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's exactly. it. You can't it's feel such anything. Such a weird thing, final. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's such a weird thing. They just literally produce a baby over a curtain at you, and yeah. they're like, "Oh right, okay, Ta-da. that's mine." Ta da! And for my next trick, um, but <laughs> here's your womb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But. Um, and then he was placed straight on my chest uh, for skin to skin. And he almost immediately was trying to breastfeed as a result. And I just, yeah. you know, I was so overwhelmed so by that because it was it? so different. And, you know, there were other things as well that, you know, I'll share another time. But, you know, that it just having that um, more considered gentle um, birth, even in theatre, even in the C-section, yeah. made this radical, radical difference for me mentally. And it just that bond they I just I couldn't stop crying like every photo after having Teddy was just me sobbing like these overwhelmed love tears you know because I just couldn't believe like how strong that bond was so there like it was just it gripped me straight away it was incredible so yes so I've had both extremes (laughs) yeah yeah so we've had loads of comments on this as well. We Emma have. said it took it took months for for her to to feel that that love. Um and she had PND, uh, postnatal depression and felt very little. She says don't panic if this is you. I felt guilty for ages that I loved my cats more. You don't feel guilty if you feel like that. You can't help how you no. feel. It's okay and it will happen one day. But you can get help yeah. if and you also- suffer from PND obviously. Also, the cats aren't trying to chew your tits off. So, you know, I can, I can get on board with that. Um, and Hannah says that for about the first 10 days after my son was born, I only felt I must protect this child at all costs. It was only after the constant visitors had calmed down and we were sat having a cuddle at home alone, then the overwhelming rush of love came. There's a lot to be said for 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 setting yourselves up in a little a little family bunker when you get when oh you get yeah the baby because yeah. actually the visitors are lovely and everyone wants to see a new baby and and you know grandparents and so it's on they're all sharing yeah, the yeah. joy of this experience but it it can sort of disrupt that that bonding experience as well so some people find it's really lovely to just hunker down for a couple of days let the visitors wait and uh yeah have, have some time to bond with your baby definitely Gemma had had a similar 
experience to, to to us in terms of having an emergency section and her baby was was rushed out of the room she didn't even know he'd been born she says I got him back just over three hours later and I loved him immediately however about 20 minutes after my other half had to leave the ward cheers COVID Gemma obviously gave birth quite recently yes. and when it was just us all alone I burst into tears for the first time that day I was totally overwhelmed by all the negativity of the birth and then I looked down and he literally took my breath away he <sighs> still does now six weeks later even if I am currently nap trapped drinking a cold coffee well that is the picture of motherhood yeah it really god this is actually nap trapped with cold coffee but that's lovely yeah (laughs) um, it does it does come and we've got a voice note from Lou here I think more people need to talk about the fact that it isn't always an instant rush of love and that's okay before my first baby was born I watched one born every minute religiously and I couldn't wait for that first cuddle I would be crying, my husband would be taking pictures, just like I'd watched on TV and in the films. The reality was a lot different, and I felt like I'd completely failed at the first step of being a mum. My love grew, and at six weeks, I remember telling my health visitor that I'd fallen in love. More mothers need to know it isn't always an instant rush of love for everyone. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with her. I think it is something that can grow, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, completely, completely normal. Sarah Jane um, had had a different experience. She said, I'd named my baby before I knew what I was having, whether it was a boy or a girl. And when I found out I was having a girl, being able to buy things, feeling her move, all made me feel love for her all along the way through pregnancy. When I saw her after birth, I cried. I've never felt anything so strong. And yet every day I fall more in love with her. Oh, God, so that's sweet. <laughs> this is a really good one. This is a really good point. And actually, Alison, I think we should do a podcast about this because I don't think this is talked about often enough. Leslie says, I grieve for my life that was for a long time after my first. Like, oh, I could be in the pub now. I could be having a shower now. I do remember, like, really feeling this strong kind of... Uh, claustrophobia that I couldn't just leave the house when I wanted to I mean now yeah. I'm like, the opposite now I'm like I'd, you know I'm fine not to I don't want to leave all right. <laughs> yeah what do you want about but uh what is a pub it was immediate yeah yeah exactly now it's just a bit of a yeah let's go to the pub I, I love the idea but can we just pack a massive nappy baggy nappy baggy <laughs> nappy bag can we make sure that we've got the play mat can we make sure that we've got the pram can we make sure that we've got like eight million snacks because they're gonna ask can we oh it's just it becomes like this huge day trip out just to go for a drink over the road she did say though my second it was immediate and I felt so guilty for that and I, I definitely I definitely understand that but let's do that as a podcast that um, maybe even the next one I grieve for my life that was because I Saying do goodbye, think that is something it, to yeah it's a transitional phase isn't it it's a, it's a it takes it's a long a time as chapter. well yeah it does as for well definite yeah and I think we've got got one more voice note from from Laura go on then so as the midwife place my little girl in my arms I had this complete overwhelming feeling of pure love nothing I've ever felt before looked at this baby and just could not believe how much love I had for her and then I opened my my mouth and the first thing I said to her was I'm going to remind you of the shit you've just put me through daily (laughs) 
unfortunately I had to hand her straight over to my other half as I had quite a significant oh. blood loss um so while I was being looked after by the doctors I turned my head and saw my other half cradling our new baby and the oh. rush of love just came completely <laughs> over me totally overwhelmed me I just could not believe how much love oh, I had for her and for him in well, this just, moment oh, I'm gonna remind you of the shit you just put me through daily <laughs> like I just oh it's so true <laughs> that <laughs> there is there is that genuine feeling of like I love you I love you I love you but god almighty my funny hurt so bad <laughs> <laughs> you've broken me but you're so amazing <laughs> yeah yeah it really is Oh. that's it for this week you can email us at podcast at the hyphen motherload.co.uk and join us next week for a brand new episode pop our number into your phone contact so you can fire off a voice note to us at any time on whatsapp the number is 07874 341 460 and don't forget to give us a little share on social media yeah we'd love to hear your feedback as well and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and of course leave us a review as well so we know how we're doing thanks for listening and we'll see you next time Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.